This is Rugger Matrix America. Alex Goff here from Goff Rugby Report, joined as always by Pat Clifton from Rugby Today and by Bruce McLean, who's been uh, our coach at large uh, out of New York. And uh, don't forget to check out Rugger Matrix International Show on RuggerMatrix.com. You can also see all the past Rugger Matrix America shows on there, and you can also check it out on iTunes. This show is brought to you in part by Aircraft Charter Solutions. And we've got a lot to talk about. So, guys, uh, what 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 do we talk about? Let, let, let's take a vote. Is what we talk about first because we want it, we we're debating whether we talk about uh, uh, men's club stuff or the college uh, developments there, or of course, you know, we talked about the sevens coach who it would be last time, and now we we've uh, got confirmed, uh, making Pat Clifton completely and one hundred percent correct in who was hired and what his job description will be so what's our vote what do we talk about first bruce it's your birthday you go i think i think we can <laughs> i think we can talk briefly about sevens first and i would like to say that based on what our, our pre-show conversation is mike friday is going to be a he's an elite coach which is which is fantastic and b he's going to be around probably a couple of weeks prior to each leg of the tour, the entire tour, and then he's going to be doing high performance camps. So he's going to be around 25 to, to you know, 27, 25 to 27 weeks a year. That's, I think, probably the most assembly time that a head coach has at any of the national team levels that we have. So he's essentially a full-time coach. So what I had said prior in a previous show about that he's got to be fully committed, I think that that's pretty much the case. And, and, and we wish him the best of luck. And I thought that it was very sensible and classy that he is opening all of the lines of communication. It was, it was good to see that Caravelli was at camp. It was good to see that Magleby was at camp. And – and they're not closing communication lines. And I heard that, that Brown is fantastic with creating a culture and creating a, all that. So it, it seems to be that that program is headed in the correct direction. The results are going to be the results. It's very difficult to predict that. But I think that the approach is correct. And approaches, a good approach tends to lead into good results whether they happen immediately, I I think that we need to be patient, but I think that we'll have some good results. I'm, I'm, I don't know about the, the time, um, whether it's going to be like as much as 27. It might be as low as like 20 weeks, but I think your point is well taken that he's going to be there uh, a lot. Pat Clifton, y- you've talked to Friday, right? You've interviewed him. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, I talked to him as well. I found him very direct. I found him very clear about what he wants, um, and I don't know what, what. What are your impressions of him? Yeah, I think that's that's safe to say. I, he's first off, he's comfortable in his own skin, which I mean, you hire a coach who has a track record and and has a winning record and has been on the been on the job before, which um, really the last three coaches hadn't done when they were hired. 
um, you know, you can just tell that there's a sense of security about him and he's, he's not, um, you know, that comes out in the directness of the way he answers things. So, um, first impression having chatted with him was, was good, but then again, I was kind of championing him to be, to be the guy anyways, cause I thought he was the right guy. So, um, you know, maybe I'm still in the honeymoon stage, but I think it's, it's, it's a good hire and it's so far so good. Well, honeymoon or, or not, I mean, it, it just, the, the impressions you get, I mean, one of the things he said, um, to me, uh, was yes, he's, he's definitely open to talking to different people and different observations. He's got to work very closely with, uh, Alex Magleby, but, um, you know, Al Caravelli didn't have to talk to him. He does. He, he's opening his mind to a lot of opinions, but ultimately it's his job. It's his job on the line. It's his team to pick. And I think, and what he said to me was essentially, at, there's going to come a point where I'm going to say this is Mike Friday's choice or decision on, uh, you know, on, on some aspect of the direction of the team. He's because it's his. It's his job. So I, I mean, you you want to listen, but you can't listen so much that you're completely hamstrung. Oh no! I mean, look at—he's coming into a brand new environment. You know, he doesn't. Other than Nigel and Ben Gollings. Uh, who does he really know in the American rugby scene? I, I mean, obviously he knows Caravelli and Magleby from, you know, seeing them in the hotels on the tour. But um, he's jumping feet, you know, head first into a brand new um, environment. So he's going to listen to everybody at first, figure who's giving him good advice and who's giving him bad advice, and and whittle it down from there. Right? I, I mean, you can only got so many hours of the day to take phone calls. So I think you know it makes sense that he'd probably take every phone call now, invite everybody in. And uh, and as time goes on, he'll 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 develop his little cabinet of people he trusts. So the plan, and and Bruce, you mentioned the 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 plan is, and this is what uh, we talked about in the last show, uh, to a certain extent. Friday goes and works at London Scottish. He gets he gets his ducks in a row by, uh, you know, September, the end of September. Uh, meanwhile, Brown runs everyone into a brick wall for. Uh, a chunk of time at Chula Vista. Friday shows up, brings in a bunch of guys outside camp, high performance camp, picks his team, which may be players from outside camp. Um, I think he's going to pick guys from outside camp, um, perhaps just to light a fire under people who are in Chula Vista. And then he's got his 12 who he'll work with until it's time to leave for Australia. Then he's got a week and then the tournament. Uh, and then he goes home for a while, right? He probably, you know, maybe comes back to Chula Vista, two or three days debrief, goes back to goes back to England. He's gone for a bit, then he comes back and he does it again. Gone for a bit, does it again. Seems to, I mean, I think that'll work. That'll be fine. Now, um, uh, what what I think might be interesting is is what's going to happen on the personnel level, and and um, I don't have an impression, really of him so you know he likes this guy better than that guy or anything like that i do get the impression that he probably um wanted to shake up some players who are a little bit complacent yeah uh well one of the personal decisions and now this is another guy i've always been a fan of and it's been obvious and what i've written and what i said is is I think he likes Carlin Isles, not just because they work with each other, but because some of the tweets and the way he would talk about him and, and press. And, and I think that's a good thing because I think it's pretty fair to say that Hawkins wasn't the biggest Carlin Isles fan there's ever been. And that showed in his playing time. 
And I think that Carl Isles gives the team the best chance to win. I, and, and I think he's good for the program to be on the field and, and be the face of the program. And uh, I think Friday likes him. And I, I'm excited for that um, as a guy who's been uh, a person who thinks Friday Isles needs more time. I think if it bears out that he's as big of a fan of him as I think, I think he probably is. Um, I think mean, that, that's a bonus. So that's the one personnel kind of insight or, or guess or speculation that I really have. I would take issue with your choice of words there, Pat, um, in this in the idea that um, liking him implies, and I don't think you meant this, liking him implies that he likes him as a person, like, oh, he's a good guy, I'm going to put him on the team. You know, Friday likes Carlin Isles because he's a guy who can win rugby games for him, right? Right, and, that's what I mean. And th- I mean, that's what it is. But I just want to sort of differentiate that because there's always been a problem when you've got coaches who they like a guy, they dislike a guy or something like that. I think the big argument that we've had about Isles, I mean, we've both had the same side of the argument, is Isles scores tries. And when you've got a team that's struggling to score tries, this guy's your home run hitter. Why don't you have him on the field more? And, you know, take away this this idea that you've got to be, you've got to overthink the game when sometimes it's just, let's give it to the guy who runs really fast and he scores tries. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Bruce, anything to add to that? I no coach worth his salt plays a player because he likes them because it, it's all about performance. And if a person isn't going to be your friend when you drop them, he wasn't your friend in the first place, so it has nothing to do with liking him or not liking him. Every is as crazy as you may think selections are, where you say, "Why the hell is this guy picking this guy or that guy?" The only thing I can say from a coaching standpoint is, right or wrong, you're doing what you think is best for the team at that moment, whether it's a longer term thought or a short term thought. Like you may select a guy like a Carlin Isles and saying, okay, I'm going to live with this for now because I know that when we need it, he's going to be ready. Like when, when, when New Zealand selected Jonah Lomu and they lost a couple tests to France in 1994 because he made some mistakes. Well, in 1995, he rectified a lot of them and became one of the greatest players ever. So, those are those are things that you, you would look at, and I think that no coach is going to do anything that's going to be detrimental to the team I, in I their, from their perspective based on liking. Unless, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Alex, but correct me if I'm wrong. I think that was almost kind of a pointed uh, look at, at, at Hawkins specifically, and granted he's coming from a player situation, but there was some rumblings that Hawkins had a preferential treatment for maybe a couple of guys he knew really well and were his teammates and friends before that. And that was a special situation. I, I, made- I, I, I think, you know, I, and I don't know about the friendship aspect, but I, I know that there are people he picked that I wouldn't pick. And it seemed like he got along well with them. And, and, and I'll, I'll write, say Nick Edwards. I, I, I don't, think Nick Edwards played well. I don't think he should have been the captain of the team. I don't understand that. And I know that he and and Matt Hawkins were fairly close. So whether it's friendship or whether it's just, you know, um, blinders or just a completely different way to assess it. Uh, you know, he's the coach. He assesses it. But yeah, that, I was thinking that. 
Yeah, I, I don't know what you guys were talking about, but the, the I mean, I and then I'm certainly not on the inside of sevens. I would, it, it, I would be really surprised if anyone at that level or at at, at any level that is serious would would play that kind of a game. No, not that win. not that you say I like this guy. He's my best friend. I'm going to start him, but. That the fact that you are that close with the guy maybe means you're uh, subconsciously a little bit more uh, well, blinded by his uh, his weaknesses. Well, you can, I, you I can be of, you can be forgiving. You yes. know, you can be forgiving well, of their their mistakes. There's a lot of things to be there's a lot of things to be said for trust, and you know you could see it in some of the selections, even in the 15s program. Where you'll see that there will, can be a large, there has has been a large preponderance of AC guys and a large preponderance of Puget Sound guys. Granted, they're very successful clubs, and but I, I think that's based on trust. And then, but there's also been some major droppings of both clubs too. So. You know, yeah. you're, that, plus, I think plus you're plus definitely right. Factor. You know, you know, uh, Bruce, uh, th- that happened uh, years before with uh, with Cal. Sometimes you'd see a player from Cal picked, and people would say, "Why?" He said, "Well, the coach knows exactly who he is, exactly what kind of player he's got. And there'll be a level of trust." So that's true. Uh, in 1994, the mistakes Jonah Lamu made and, and France beating New Zealand. Just for all you young people out there, just go Google "try from the end of the world," and you'll see the greatest try. Uh, probably of all time. Uh, we're going to change subjects here, uh, and we're going to talk about men's club rugby. And the the, the thing that came out f- relatively recently is the, the formation of the Atlantic Rugby Premiership, the ARP, to balance out the PRP. Uh, uh, Boston Irish Wolfhounds, New York Athletic Club, Boston Rugby Club, Old Blue, and... Life University. That's five teams. They play each other twice, so that's uh, you play four games and you get a bye, and then you go do it again. Four games, you get a bye. Eight games in the league. Now, what I like about this, partly, is it does... Bruce, you hated the whole playing all the way through the the fall. You just hated it. And I realize that this still conflicts somewhat with the the America's Rugby Championship and those international call-ups, but it doesn't conflict with uh, November Test Match call-ups because the games start September 13th and the last game in the fall, round five, is October 25th. And then you come back in April and you go April into the last league game is May 9, and then there are some uh, playoffs, um, which the championship game will probably conflict with the Eagles playing. Uh, but it, But... That's pretty hard to avoid. I just wonder if you agree, Bruce. Does this address some of the issues you had with uh, when you were with New York Athletic Club's coaching? When you were coaching New York Athletic Club, some of the issues you had with the kind of season that went all the way through the fall. Uh, like I said, I should have stepped down in 2012. Um, you know, it was like the the flounder in uh, when he lent his car in Animal House. You effed up. You trusted us, and <laughs> and that was. Uh, but I think that this is a is a sensible solution. I 
I, I didn't know that it was going to October 25th. That's got to be different teams that are looking to have games. And that, that, cause it, it isn't conflicting with the America's rugby championship that I know. And part of the thing that makes it actually really good is that they're able to play starting in April. So the preseason doesn't have to go through the horror of the snow and the crap and the nonsense. So they can kind of push that back a little bit. And and the other thing is, is that they're just playing games that are relatively meaningful. And that what, what really needs to happen is that they have preseason games where these teams stop distrusting each other and just play a preseason game or two and not have an enormous amount of travel and, and cost to go to Fort Lauderdale to play each other. There's no sense in going to Fort Lauderdale to play each other in February for $20,000 when you could just play each other in March for free. So I, I, a lot of these things have, have been relatively well thought out the final is supposed to be played in May. I, I don't know that it'll interfere with the Eagles, but there's a, right. a bit of time in between it. So I think that what will happen is they'll be able to be flexible and make it work. The yeah, you're right. That, I'm, I'm looking at a schedule that has that ARP put out, but they, they combined it with this, the Division One club schedule, which is – They've got a Division One uh, national championship on June thirteenth. I don't know what that's all about. Yeah, uh, that has May th- May thirtieth, May thirtieth for a premiership final. Um, is- by the way, um, I'm writing this down. The horror of the snow and the crap and the nonsense. I'm going to keep that. That's got to be something we use on a regular <laughs> well, basis it, because it's a uh, well, it's true, and and that's Shakespearean that's, in, it, in its poetry. It's absolutely true. I don't. I, I would. I would. I would venture to say that. Shakespeare had a, a much Shakespeare had a much larger vocabulary and, and a far greater intelligence than me, but that's fine. Um, I don't need to live up to the bard. But uh, I I look at it and I say the one thing that is missing and and it, and it's a glaring miss is the Midwest. And and there there had been talk. This is essentially the Super League, and and there had been talks about having a three-conference Super League, which never worked, but it never worked because of politics. It, it could have worked. And if you had – if Denver and Glendale or, or one of them moved to the the Midwest or the, the center part of what do they call it, the flyover region. Flyover country. Flyover country, Pat Clifton's country. Right. And, you had, and Puget Sound got out of the, the second division in Canada and came into our division – then what would happen is they can go to the Pacific Rugby Premiership. The other teams could come. There'd be six teams over there. Then there would be – then the, you can have Denver, Glendale, or one of the two and have them um, play Metropolis, Chicago, Palmer, Dallas, Kansas City, whoever it is, New Orleans, whatever it is. It doesn't it's, it's irrelevant who those teams actually are and have a championship – of the Midwest, a championship of the Pacific, and a championship of the Atlantic, which would probably soon include what the the Maryland Athletic Club, the the Pack and Mob 
or Maryland Exiles now. It used to be Maryland Old Boys. Potomac Exiles. Pac- the Potomac Exiles, I believe. They're the Potomac Exiles now. So the yeah, Potomac exactly. Exiles are going to be the um, – and that would be a good six team to have so that you can have 10 games, 10 games, 10 games, and then play a championship. Now, how I would do it if it were me is I would say, okay, one team gets a buy into the final every three years. One league – gets a buy-in to the final every three years. You, you know, you draw straws the first, and it is going, one league gets a buy-in to the final. And then you have a semi on the other end. Or that that's, league can choose so to have a, a one and two play each other. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's funny because I, I, when we were talking about it, I thought you were talking about it the other way where you basically bring in an extra team rotating around, but the idea of getting a, you know, a rotating buy is just fine. Um, if... Right now in the Pacific Rugby Premiership, they they have uh, um, seven teams. And if they added uh, Seattle Saracens, it would be eight. Um, and, but I, I, know, I, I would be talking about I would be talking about dumping two. Right, Seattle right, went but, down. Or, but I, but or, I'm, I'm, yeah, looking at mid- I'm looking at the middle part of the country, and I start making a list of teams, and that's actually a pretty long list. And, and you could be... You could come up and say Metropolis, New Orleans, Austin, Dallas, uh, a Chicago team, Palmer, Kansas City. Now, I don't live there. You don't live there. Pat Clifton lives there. Um, and and Pat, I know you're um, best friends with the guys at Kansas City Blues. Uh, <laughs> what um, the 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 you we can we can throw out these these club names, right? Hey Pat, can Pat, say, can right, I say something before? Can I yeah. say something before you talk? Yeah, go ahead. Pat's going to say Lindenwood should be in the goddamn league and they'd win the whole thing anyway. Well, <laughs> you know what? Not even Lindenwood. They just need to put Morgan Finley out in the field. <laughs> One against 15. No problem at all. Um, I, Pat, would, the, th- the question is, would, a club, would clubs actually be into this? Or is it hard enough to do what they're doing now? Is this easier? What do you think about the idea when we, you start listing all these things and say, hey, Kansas City, you know, now, you, now you're going to have to play Austin and New Orleans and, and you're playing Metropolis anyway, but um, you know, you're going to have to spread it out a little bit. Um, is it unrealistic to come well, up with that? What, for starters, Bruce just leaves the Denver teams on the PRP. There's no reason to move them. The fact that everybody having 10 games, I don't see the re- the purpose for symmetry, especially if you're going to let a team split between fall and spring and one play spring. What's the purpose for symmetry? Just play, worry about what's your regular season and what makes sense. So leave the Denver teams over there. Um, I mean, the, no, you can't have a one-division Midwest uh, premiership, I don't believe. I think you, if you're going to do it, you have to split between the North and the South, and ha- and they would stay largely what they are now. Texas would be what it is, and the North and the mid the North Division would be what the Midwest is, and that's what the Blues are playing in. Now the Blues could easily play in Texas if they wanted. That's the travel's not that much different. Um, a little bit longer, but not really. I mean, it's really not that much harder to do. Um, so it, you know they could they could flip flop, but there's no reason to change them. But but, but to, I mean, there's no is there any purpose for the Austin Blacks to go play Metropolis? I mean that's a that's a that's a fifty sixty point game. There's no purpose, um, you know. Until Texas proves otherwise, there's really no reason to loop them into the mix. Um, if you really feel like there's a, a, a you know a premiership in the middle, um, what if what if they what if it's simply that they want to? 
If they want to, that's fine. Then why not? Why not have the Midwest play to its champion, right? Which they do almost all in the fall, anyways. Have Texas play to its champion, which they always have plenty of time because they start in what December. So they have them play to their champion. The winner of that is your 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 Midwest Premiership champion. So you know, I don't I don't really see the need for all this symmetry. But if you wanted to, have, if they all wanted to be involved. Let the, the Midwest teams that are, where the travel's viable already play the way they do, and let them the the Texas teams play the way they do already, where the the, the travel is proven to be viable, and then they can play for a divisional championship. Because to be honest with you, no team out of the out of either the North or the South could sit here and, and say that their life or their Seattle or their the uh, AC or their Golden Gate, anyways. So to play that extra game is, I think that's fair enough. Yeah. The the thing that they that they don't like is the idea that they're going through their league season playing, uh, you know, in the Midwest they travel almost as much as they would in a Premiership type thing anyway, and they're playing games where they win a bunch of them by eighty points, and it's in, and it's the same in Texas, even if well, even if Dallas and Austin aren't really national level good, but they're not getting on planes. I mean, no, the no, they're getting on a plane for not, they're just Midwest forever. Kansas City is getting on planes. No, they're not. I mean, if they are, it's surprising. Well, they might have for one or two games. Okay, that's what I'm thinking. I, I I think that the point is not so much that we 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 need to invent the structure of the Midwest or the or the flyover region of the country. The fact of the matter is, it's critical that we have those teams involved in what is a quote-unquote elite club competition because we – and I was talking to Holder about this. It was, it was funny because I was saying like the Northeast, you have like New England and, 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 and New York and Boston and, and, and these little pockets of people who don't provide quality athletes to any college – Athletic uh, to athletic department. We have California rugby, which is great, but we don't have anything in Ohio. We don't have anything in Pennsylvania. We don't have anything in Florida. We don't have anything in Texas. We don't have any in the places where they provide NFL players. Well, if they're providing NFL players, they're also providing tons of players that don't make the NFL. And and where we are, and where we're trying to attract our rugby players is we're getting second tier athletes from second tier regions. We need to get second tier athletes from first tier regions like Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, and, and Missouri and all those places, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and, and everything outside of that, and we're not doing that. We're getting people from rich, white, liberal arts colleges that really don't have any place in elite sporting environments. And I'm not being a jerk about it. I'm just being realistic about it. And so we have to find a way. We've got a league with with certain people aside. We've got a league of good, hard rugby players. We have a league. There there are a bunch of rugby players. We have a league of of decent white athletes that, you know, would would probably 
win their, you know, bar league basketball or 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 softball tournament or touch football tournament. I'd like to go on I record to say that there possibly. are on occasion people who are good who are good athletes. I know that there there's are, a lot of white guys. Speak to, just speak to a lot Bruce. of white guys who are good but, athletes. But it's 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 still a very white league. To speak it's, to Bruce's point, in Texas alone, you know, Ryan Motes was playing rugby down in Texas. Ryan Motes was in the league for years. The NFL was a top-notch Division One running back. Was a starting running back in the league for a lot of time. Uh, he was playing. He's, he might still be playing for uh, the Griffins down there. He had. Uh, Yamar uh, Washington, who played in the Big Ten, who had a you know a cup of coffee in the NFL, at least signed an un, uh, undrafted free agent contract, who was playing some rugby in Texas. He had Tyler Elkins, who played at Oklahoma State, um, you know, who's, who's played rugby in Texas. There's Bruce is right. There's a lot of really top talent in Texas, but the problem is, and I hate to say it for the Texas folks listening, but that they they need a club. Uh, that will do what the Woodlands Exiles are trying to do, and that's be better than everybody and beat them by 70 so everybody else will lift up their game because there's nobody down there who's got it together like, you know, uh, uh, even a New Orleans or a Metropolis have. And that's, well, that's a very large group of athletes, potential players in that region that are, that are being untapped. I, I think that we need to look at those. I think that we need to look at those players, and once they're there, we need to identify them and 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 understand what a pathway is into elite rugby. And I'm I'm not saying that in terms of the you know Leicester Tigers. I'm saying it in terms of what we have here. And the other part of what what I was talking about was not the people who actually played at these college football levels i'm talking about people that they may have played with in high school who are really awesome athletes they may be a step slow a couple inches too short a a couple pounds too light but they are the appropriate size for an international rugby player a, a six foot four 230 pound tight end may not be what they're looking for at University of Texas, but he might be a great blindside flanker. Or yes. and then that, that those are the, that's those are kind, I think a, a hybrid of what Pat and I were saying is what I'm talking about. The bottom line is we need to find a way to get rugby into states that Florida has has done fantastic in the in these little high school. Uh, all-star tournaments, and, and I'm not saying that those are all the best kids, but the fact of the matter is Florida took it seriously and really did great stuff. They don't even have high school rugby, and they beat the snot out of everybody. Imagine they actually did. <laughs> Imagine we had something that they can aspire to. <laughs> they would annihilate teams. It wouldn't even be funny. And I think that's true of the entire Midwest. I mean, teams in New York, they would laugh at us. We are basically a bunch of scrawny or fat people who kind of know how to play rugby a little bit. And we can win some games because we try hard. Well, I mean, in elite sport, trying hard is, is important, but... You know, this isn't, you know, freaking math class where you try hard, you'll do all right. I mean, you got to have genetics to it. 
<laughs> we don't have that. You know, you could look at our show. If, if we were on video, it would be like, you know, we should dress up as Richard Simmons and do Dancing with the Oldies. Wow. Yeah, well, it, it, uh, yeah sweating with the oldies. Uh, I am sweating right now. A lot. There'd be a lot of sweating. The, Dude, you're so, sweating so, by breathing. The, <laughs> so so the, 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 the thing we've run into a lot of times is that, you know, we're dependent on the clubs and where the clubs were strong, and there's some traditional stuff going on there, although we, we keep seeing clubs kind of struggle and split off because they're – pissed off with somebody and then they come and merge and we see a lot of mergers going on i suppose that's fine but but there are there are areas where they're just not organized and, and in florida it is a uh, on the adult level it is a recreational league they don't they want to play division two they want to be some of the teams want to be pretty good division two teams but it's division two they're a certain level they're not anything more than that a lot of teams in the deep south states playing in division two that, you know, they're pretty good for Division Two team. Well, let's move to college rugby because we've been looking at a bunch of different things that are going on in college rugby. Uh, again, coming down to and – we, and we knew it would happen, right? The seasonality that we talked so much about the seasonality and people being unhappy with the seasonality. Change comes, but that, that doesn't mean that everyone's happy with it because we know that not everybody is. Uh, the the major news on the sevens front is that USA Rugby's moved their uh, national championship from uh, December November, which everyone hated, out to the last weekend of May or the second last weekend of May, depending on how you look at it, depending how you count. Uh, so it'll be a week before the CRC. Um, what that does is it makes late May, early June college sevens time. What it also does is squeeze a whole bunch of high-level college activity in the second half of April into, into May. Um, I, I think ultimately it's probably a good move, but for some teams that are going to national championships in 15s, it's going to be very, very hard. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It, what, what it really... Who it really downright effects um it affects a lot of people but the, the people that it really crushes are are the teams that like arkansas state right the team that has a chance to go deep in the in, in the spring 15th playoffs but also really cherish sevens um it, it, it hurts them it hurts life uh it hurts some of those teams it doesn't really hurt cal because cal was Never going to play to that championship anyway, so they were already doing what we're talking about. doesn't really change any of the Varsity Cup teams other than the ones like Dartmouth that went for the Sevens National Championship. So the teams that it really hurts up at the top level are are those that, that went for the, the Fall Sevens Championship and really enjoyed it and also have a threat to go really deep in, in 15s. Um, St. Mary's being the other one that you sort of jumped Yeah, St. Right? Mary's being another one of those. Uh the the other thing that comes up is whether a, a team is is going to be forced to make a decision between CRC and Nationals, or do they? Uh, and and Pat, I know you've talked about you've written about uh, USA Rugby and United World Sports uh, coming to the table together. Um, yeah, that'll be interesting. It's a big table. Um, not sure. the it's a very it's a very very long <laughs> table, and they put in all the extender leaves in it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, could you, could you ask your, uh, 
could you ask your mother to pass the salt? You know, something like that. Um, the, but would a team compete in both? And there's no reason really why you couldn't, you couldn't even, you know, for some, somebody might decide to split their squads for it. I don't know. But could you could you play in both, or could you be under some pressure not to? Well, I think I Kutztown know. would play in both. You know, they, they would because well, a the CRC is cheap for them because they're right there, and and b they're committed to spring sevens anyways. So you know they might as well rack up as many trophies as they can. I think they'd probably compete for both. Unless the CRC's in San Jose, and then uh, then we're talking to <laughs> yeah. uh, to St. Mary's and, and Kutztown like may still make it work. Those guys they they they, they don't mind getting on yeah. planes. So yeah, I mean, and I, I'm not saying just them because I'm, I'm saying I mean, you know, if AIC was invited to the CRC, they do the same thing. And so any team that I think um, that does go regular to the CRC, and I'm struggling. I mean, you know, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a Dartmouth question because of the Varsity Cup. Or maybe it is because they get knocked out of the Varsity Cup early enough. Um, but even then, they only have a couple of weeks. You know, maybe it is a question for them. I think for some teams, we'll do both. Um, but they will be few and far between. We might, you know, it'll be interesting because um, you've got the debate on the the Varsity Cup side. Um, you know, Arkansas State making the decision to go into Varsity Cup because of perceived greater exposure. Uh, that's what the university sees. I think the university will be um, surprised in how that works out. Uh, but um, there's the... The balance, you know, let's say you're Penn State and they're holding the CRC now in San Jose, um, which they should, by the way, um, then they're balancing out going across the country and being in a tournament on national television or maybe, I don't know, you know, maybe, actually, I'll tell you a funny story, um, but I mean, they've got the national championships the week before and maybe they choose to do that because it's a national championship. I don't know. Somebody uh, asked me, Pat, where they should hold the seven national championships, and I said Kansas City. My man, I'm pushing. I'm pushing for Kansas City. I say, why not? Kansas City would be perfect for that, I, wouldn't well, it? May, I mean, is it? Is, it's it's you know less than ninety five percent humidity and less than ninety de- ninety degrees in May. Usually? Look, I, I think the CRC should be in Kansas City. I think we've got the perfect spot for it. Now you're laughing if you've never been to the stadium that I'm talking about. But if you have, you realize it has all the entertainment value you need around it. And it's a beautiful stadium and and you're not going to get shanked on your way in like you might in Philadelphia. Um, (laughs) But I mean, you're talking to a guy who's too big of a homer to to separate. I mean, yes, Kansas city would be a lovely spot for the, for the national. We just hosted the big 12 soccer tournament here, built a a nice little soccer village. that would be great for the savage national championship. Three words for Kansas City in the in the seventh championship: Bar B Q. There you go. Uh, okay, so Bruce, um, let's talk about fifteens uh, rugby. Wait, let's, fall. let's 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 uh, we'll, we'll go back right, a little you bit. Went, you've been you've been you've been quiet on well, this. I, I, I didn't, didn't I didn't get asked, and I and I stayed quiet. Well, you got asked. I just sort of put things. Oh, out I was. There, I, but, I know you anyway. put things out, and you and Pat. Um, the <laughs> the. The spring sevens, fifteen championship for USA Rugby is it. It's an asinine idea for USA Rugby to host it. There is the CRC, and that's great. There's also the ACRC championship, which is also great. And it's going to be 
held in in Virginia Beach in April, late April, it's not going to fill everybody. I mean, the Varsity Cup teams aren't going to be able to play, and there's other teams that aren't going to be able to play. But as Doc Jones said, USA Rugby is sitting there like, oh, yeah, we're just going to play on Memorial Day weekend or whatever it is. And they're like, yeah, everybody else stays. Nobody's going to stay in school after school's over to participate in your championship and miss graduation. Like, they're not going to be able to qualify during graduations and and, and other stuff. It's absurd. It's actually – it makes zero sense at all to have it. Either do the ACRC or just – or have a championship where everybody can come and play it. You, know, you have 64 teams or 128 teams and just play a straight knockout. It, it, this, it, it makes no sense. So, yes. Well, yeah, you're, I mean, you're right. It's Memorial Day weekend, and that that was uh, put forth for a high school championship a few Memorial years Memorial Day weekend means that – means that the service academies, at least Army, and I, I don't know if the other ones graduate the same weekend, are out. That's when they graduate. Was it, and was have, it? you don't have a championship, quote-unquote, I know they have their championship issues, but you don't have a championship if you don't have your best players playing. And you don't have a championship if you're not prepared. So you need to have time to prepare. I... You know, I, I had a meeting with Iona today, and they basically said we want rugby to be a one-season sport, and that was unsolicited by me, who actually thinks it is a one-season sport. But that's you know, all that aside, that was what they said to me. Was it one of the things that, that the whole part of the genesis of? USA Rugby's College Sevens Championship anyways, or at least rumored to be that it was from the USOC, not an edict, but a strong suggestion that, hey, you guys should be having some kind of pathway here, some kind of uh, something for, you know, a youth aspect to the Olympic code now. Um, and if that's the case, then I can see why USA Rugby feels the need to still have it exist. Why it needs to stand out on its own two feet, I don't know. Um, but you know, I'm just playing a little devil's advocate. If the USC really wants it, um, maybe that's why they feel they need to have it. Well, then that's great. And, and that's amazing. And I think that then if you're going to take seven seriously, then take it seriously. Don't play it at the end of what you're, you're going to have a tournament that's going to end a week or two prior to your national tournament in another code, which is completely different. It's so, tough. It's tough. Yeah, I know. It's, well, in, a, it's in a country where we can't agree on which season is 15 season, well, to we try know and exactly add another code is, is, is almost season. impossible. The, 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 the 15 season is the fall. Says because the Iona coach. It says the Iona coach, but says anybody who has any – the 15 season is the fall because in the event you want to have everybody playing together, which I think is irrelevant – and so I I, I I respect the Varsity Cup, and I think that what they do is perfectly fine, and doing it in the spring is perfectly fine. I respect the uh, D1A, and, I, and doing it in the spring is fine, and that's perfectly fine. 
the fact of the matter is, is that for the vast majority of teams and the vast majority of dues-paying members of USA Rugby, the vast majority of people is that the fall provides the appropriate weather to have games that aren't that where you can have a preseason, have your games, have your season, play it out, have a championship, and be done with it without having a whole lot of weather-related drama, without having a whole lot of – and also, and also you don't have spring break, which takes place in spring, and you don't have Easter, which for whatever it's worth, it's a, it's a pretty important holiday outside of Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and – and and then it's a so those are things that really sh- struggle with the spring on top of the fact that you know teams in Minnesota or north north northern areas really can't play until April can't even practice till April properly and yeah you could do things in California and that's great and if we're going to sit and and run our life based on what happens in California then that's fine. We've been doing that for 30 years, and the game has been retarded. Retarded not in the – in retarded meaning in, in, in the sense that it hasn't grown the appropriate, to the appropriate level in 75 to 80% of the dues-paying country. And what we can do that in the fall, and also we're using a basketball model of everybody gets to the playoffs and then we have a, a straight knockout. Well, basketball does that playing four games a week. They play Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, I mean, it's two games a week for each team, and that's how they get through it. We can't do that. A, we don't have the money, and B, we don't have the uh, – you can't play two games a week. You can play one. So we got to use so, the model, like so. We should do what they do at high school. So with the ACR season, football and Division One AA football, and now to some extent D one A football and professional football. So we're, what what the ACRC is doing, I think, is is brilliant. It's it's imperfect, and I, I'm certainly I'm not going to say it's perfect, and we're going to always have we'll we'll probably have the champion be correct, but there could be an argument as to how it happened. The so what the ACRC is doing is saying, okay, play your games, play your season. Everybody's invited to the ACRC, by the way. You don't have to be within a conference. You don't have to do it. We, we are a – come on in. It's like church. We're always open. You want to go drinking? Go drinking your, your USA Rugby Kool-Aid, your Varsity Cup Kool-Aid. But eventually you're going to come back to – eventually you're going to come back and, you know, like they say, and you stick a gun in your mouth, you ain't saying, you know – Oh, Big Bang Theory! You're saying, "Oh God, oh God, save me!" Um, so you're gonna come back to you're gonna come back to Jesus at the end of the day. And what we're saying is, the Varsity Cup spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, and everybody knew Cal was gonna play BYU. The the D1A spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, and everybody knew that St. Mary's was gonna play life. And even in the ACRC, where they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, Penn State <laughs> spent probably 70 of them, uh, and Penn State played Kutztown. And you know who your champions are. 
So what the ACRC is doing is you play, and then Matt Trenary from Michigan got together with some computer programmers. They're putting things together, and, and it, again, it'll be imperfect, but number one will play number two, and that'll be how it goes. And they'll count cross-conference games, in-conference games, and things like that. They have ways to you know, diminish the value of blowouts or things of, things of that nature. So I think that that approach is great. And it's almost like boxing in the 70s where you had the IBF, the WBA, and WBC. And again, it was imperfect and it was somewhat frustrating. And I think that now it's imperfect and it's somewhat frustrating. And the ACRC would be the IBF of the, uh, of the, of that era, WBA and WBC being the varsity cup and D one a, but that's just because they've had 30 years of the advantage of spring rugby where the teams in the cooler weather areas have not been able to recruit, develop, do anything based on the fact that it's a spring rugby area. What we will be able to do moving forward is we'll have a spring rugby area that will be now a fall rugby area that will be able to cultivate, grow, recruit out of high schools in the spring, do minimal things in the spring. And some of the teams are doing sevens. I personally am doing 15s. We're playing St. Mary's. And I think that the ACRC plays well into the D1A in that there are teams like Army and Penn State that want to participate in D1A. So they're going to be able to use the ACRC as a platform for them to participate in D1A. And that's great. But then they'll be going into playoff situations in D1A as opposed to having to play a season so they can they can focus their spring on how they're going to manage getting into the playoffs, performing in the playoffs, and doing well. So the ACRC is really helping D1A. D1A is helping what's necessary on the West Coast, like St. Mary's and, and a couple of teams. They start a little bit later in, in September, so they don't want to play a fall season. They want to play in the spring. Well, it, you know, and we look at it in terms of the spring, as I said to Tim and Johnny, or Tim O'Brien and John Everett from St. Mary's, is that, well, if we go in in mid-January and we can't get on the field till April, that's starting late for us too. And and, and they understand that. And and I know that in the pre-run, in the pre-show run, Alex was talking about, can we ever get it back together again? I don't think we're ever going to get it back together again. And to say that the Varsity Cup or this or that, the bottom line is there are four amazing teams in the country, Cal, BYU, St. Mary's, and Life. There is Arkansas State that is amazing, A, and then everyone else. In three years, there will be two more teams. There certainly Lindenwood and uh, yeah. whoever those teams. Well, you, it used to be there were just two, so we're happy to have four. And that's and and, and, um, and maybe there'll be and and hopefully, hey, look, 
I, I have every intention of turning Iona into St. Mary's. That's the reason I'm at Iona. I saw St. Mary's. It's just Iona on, on the East Coast, uh, on the West Coast. So, and if they were able to do that, then we'll be able to do that here. So, and, and there's a hundred other schools like that, that if, if somebody who is, is very committed to success as Tim and Johnny or Jack and Tom and, 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 and all, and, and, and all those people who, or, or, or Dan and Aji and, and, um, and, and uh, Tui are committed to making things happen, and obviously David and 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 Kimball and and the rest of their and the rest of their staff, then it can happen. And the Huckabees and and uh, this is a Manny Manny down in uh, at Arkansas State. They they those things are very capable of happening, and and ideally, what we have is something like that that yeah we do have regional powerhouses and we may not have a real national champion but we're having really great rugby and kids are getting recruited and you know armies playing navy and then they're playing and they're having tons of fans and and penn state is playing kutztown and they're having tons of fans and 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 then all these things are happening. The University of Maryland with the SEMA brothers and and things like that is the, there are some really exciting things happening. And so I think that there's a lot of good things going on. It's just that it doesn't necessarily it's not totally controlled by a governing body. We don't need one of those. All they are is a waste of money. And then when we get into this thing about championships and whether or not you can call something a championship, I mean, honestly, does USA Rugby even have a leg to stand on? They've they've taken a minimum of six figures from the college rugby grant from the IRB. They have changed the competition at least three times in the last four years. They've now changed – sevens and and 15s into you know different seasonalities nothing is particularly clear so to start going after universities or things like that they don't really have a lot of ducks in the row you know i i don't know i mean i think they i think they have one leg to stand on and i think that they have a right to say that the national governing body of the sport and that uh, an, a private invitational uh, event, even though I've been supportive of those uh, personally, those private in- invitational de- events, to say, just to ask them, and I would say that they should ask nicely, please don't call it a national championship. But then why, because, why is and, and I, and I, I take issue necessarily with, with, with USA Rugby's way of trying to decide who gets into the playoffs in D1A, and I think they screwed it up last year. And you you pointed out teams, you know, team that doesn't win any games in the conference gets into the playoffs. Um, a home game. Yeah, in the yeah they they were ranked, but 
Right, a home game in the playoffs. And and that's that's ridiculous. And that, that hurts them. That takes one of their legs to stand on. But I still think they have a, one leg to stand on. They are the governing body of the sport. And they're just saying you to stand there and just, you know, just proclaim the CRC is, is the national championship. There's nothing that... So what were... There's nothing Wait, that, that says that, that. There's nothing that says isn't that. Isn't that what Bruce's, is, Bruce's model is? The BCS, right? His football model is now that they now right. Well, we're caught right. up so, to the, to the 70s boxing and the early 2000s football. So we progressed to that. But that's isn't that what the BCS yeah. was? If you were in a BCS conference, if you were Utah or Boise State, well, yeah, you can theoretically win it, but probably not because somebody else right. will vote somebody else in. It's the same thing. And no national governing body in any other college sport runs a national championship. USA football doesn't run the national championship. USA hockey doesn't run the national championship. USA basketball doesn't run the national championship. They don't. All right. Well, okay. So so what what, what about non-NCAA How about we we do this? Non-NCAA. Actually. It's a non-NCAA. Actually, outside of the money sports of basketball and football. College is irrelevant. It, it has nothing to do with excellence in sport. It's completely irrelevant. The, the thing is that we're calling it a national governing body as if they have some – they are a national taxing authority. That's all they are. They're just a tax authority. They're not they are. They are just like any other sport has an NGB. They're ours. I mean, I'm just saying, but it's a it's it's a taxing authority. It's not a governing body. It, it you you don't govern. They they've chosen to govern us. Most of our teams would choose to lose them. They have no interest in being part of them. They do it for the sake of supporting the sport at the. Yeah, I mean, really, the men's national team level, and that's it, and and that's why they do it, right? But but they're still the national. I understand. They, 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 yeah, they I, still I, exist. I understand. And, and you and, said, and, I mean, we're we're splitting hairs here. You said they don't have I, a leg to stand on. I think they've got one leg to stand on, and they're and, leaning up against and, the wall. And and they could be leaning up against the wall. They don't have. They have committed fraud. They end. If they want to stand on that and they want to start fighting with people, then then it's 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 probably not morally correct. Whether or not you agree or disagree, the fact of the matter is they don't own the word championship, and they're trying and, and they're no, going. Do, they, do, do they, they own the Do they own the term national? They championship? don't own the term national championship. Not in a in right. any way. Okay. 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 So all right. now, Fair enough. all right. Should 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 people be saying that when they win the CRC um, or the Varsity right. Cup? Let's that go back. Let's go back. Okay. That, that that gets better. That and the the this, the Varsity Cup is is more of a more. It's almost a laughable argument that. So, since USA Rugby's existed, the outside of Air Force and I think San Diego State once or twice each, the only teams that have won the national championship of collegiate rugby have been Cal and BYU. 
I, I, I sorry, Harvard won in '83 or '84 or something. Yeah. So, yeah. thirty years ago, somebody else won. But <laughs> forty. So, twenty-five of those minimum have been two teams that are in the Varsity Cup, and now they're saying they're not qualified to say it's a championship when the reason they formed the Varsity Cup was that they had, and you and I were there, Alex, that they had an eleven thousand paid customer attendance at Rio Tinto Stadium and that was those were legit numbers and it could have even been more they were it was a legit number they were paid and it wasn't due to the high school tournament there was probably 500 to 1000 that showed up due to that and and it was a great event and they got nothing out of it and that was what prompted them to do what they did so yes. and so for them to say, now USA Rugby says, you're not the national champion because you didn't join our group, but you won the last 30? It's laughable. It, 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 they should be focusing on the fact that the Olympics are very close at hand and we have shit the bed every which way to Sunday and every which way but loose, like the monkey – in the George, in that, uh, what the hell is his name? Um, Clint Eastwood Clint movie. Eastwood. And he was an orangutan. A monkey, yeah. orangutan, same shit, different day. It's, no, it's a totally uh, different. And totally different. Might, monkey has a yeah, tail. Whatever. Um, <laughs> so, I think it was a chimp, not an orangutan. But, uh, so. How much you want to bet? Uh, how much you want to bet right now? I'll, I'll bet you anything it was I'll, an orangutan. I'll bet you a glass of Cabernet Sauvignon. Your, what do you like? Okay, okay. Pinot Noir, that's You're your on. thing. I'll bet you a glass of Pinot Noir in some stupid hippie bar in in in, in Washington. Um, you know, sadly, I think that's going to have to wrap it up. Uh, everybody's a witness. You're all a witness. It's an orangutan. Uh, check. It's definitely not a chimpanzee. Definitely not a monkey and i don't know if chimpanzees or monkeys or orangutans or humans uh really could come up with a, a solution that would unify a complete unified theory of american college rugby maybe the fragmentation is good um what's championship i don't know uh when uh teams are falling off um uh when they go things fortunes go up and down i just wonder sometimes if uh we shouldn't allow USA Rugby a little bit of authority on certain things. Uh, having said that, I love what uh, you're doing, Bruce, uh, and, and everyone else with the ACRC, because uh, if you want to play in the fall, if that's where you want it uh, to happen, then just do it. Stop complaining. Just do it. The idea, in fact, of the, who might get to a national championship uh, hamstrung so many teams for so many years because they knew what was right for them and it was that carrot of the playoffs in April that made them change their season. That's going to do it for us here on Rugged Matrix America for Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean. This is Alex Goff reminding you to check out RuggedMatrix.com thanking uh, 
Aircraft Charter Solutions for their support of this show. Don't forget to check out Golf Rugby Report for all my coverage of high school and college rugby and a little bit extra as well on the international side. And check out RuggerMatrix.com for the Rugger Matrix America show and for the Rugger Matrix International show, which you can also find on iTunes. And thank you all for listening to Rugger Matrix America. Thank you.